Thank you, Jesus. Somebody say love. Today we're going to be talking about eternal attributes. We're going to be going to the book of 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13, a beautiful, a beautiful book of the Bible. Paul talking here to the church about the importance and priority of love. No one should be more of a lover than someone full of the Holy Ghost. The Pentecostal church has been defined by our ability to shout, run the aisles, and prophesy. Talk in tongues, that's our identity. But it's a sad thing that we are not known in our communities as the movement that loves people the most. If we have the Spirit of God, then the greatest attribute we should have is love. And you're about to see that you can trade everything else in and just get love, and it will be enough. So I start probably a two-part series today with part one, eternal attributes, 1 Corinthians 13. Everybody say in Jesus' name. I'm not going to have you stand for it because I'm going to take it verse by verse, but I want you to pray that God's will will be done right now. Can you go ahead and invite love to come into our lives, to be a part of our lives right now? Let's set the atmosphere right now. The hardest thing, the most difficult thing to have love, the apex, the climax of being a Christian. Let us not briefly pass by and admit right now that we are perfect at love when it is the most challenging attribute, the greatest attribute, an eternal attribute. Lord, I pray, and I hope that you're praying right now that the impartation of love would come into our hearts today, that we would become a people that have love, that give love. Help us to find it, help us to have it, and help us understand that we will need it and use it for all of eternity. Right now we pray for your love, the love of the Father to be inside of us today. Before I leave this place, I want to make sure that there's love in my life. Everybody say in Jesus' name, eternal attributes. Somebody say eternal attributes. Here we go, verse 1. Are you ready? Everybody ready to study the Bible? Oh, he said study. I talked about that Wednesday. Some of y'all fall asleep when we say the word study. Bible says we're supposed to study to show ourselves approved. A workman needeth not to be ashamed. I'm not even a Bible quizzer, and I know that one. I don't know where it's at, though, so you'll have to apologize. I just, you have to forgive me for that one. Uh, so we're going to study for a little bit, and we're going to get to know the Word of God, and we're going to have love in our hearts today before we leave this place. I'm going to start with verse 1. Follow along with me. You can keep the video camera on me because if we do it, it's going to be up the whole time, but you can just keep the scriptures up the whole time behind me. 1 Corinthians 13 and 1, the New King James Version. Here's what Paul told the church, the church that was just finding out about the gifts of the Spirit and all the powerful, great ways to be used by God. Look how he levels everything out, and he goes into 13 saying, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass and clanging cymbal. Though I, I can speak, though I have ability to speak, though I'm good with words, and though I'm good with even the language of the angels, that sounds special, doesn't it? Even though I can do that, if I don't have love, in other words, it's possible to sound like you have love and not have love. Yeah. 
Because you can be a smooth talker and not have love. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A holy heart doesn't speak smooth. A holy heart speaks truth. Yeah. A holy heart does not speak smooth. There are some things that Jesus said that weren't very smooth. They offended people. They made some people upset. He was confrontational. He was direct. But he was the epitome of love. Yeah. So we have to make sure that our speech is real, is honest, is open. Because the difference in a smooth talker and a love talker is agenda. Smooth talkers are trying to get something out of it. They sound like they love you because they need something from you. They want something from you. Oh, sweetheart, uh, you look beautiful today. What do you want? Isn't it amazing when you begin to talk real sweet with your words, people question your motives? Do you know why they question your motives? Because they think that you're trying to love on them verbally to get something from them. And that's why we have to be careful of being smooth talkers in the church. Because the devil is a smooth talker. That's just facts today, y'all. So notice in this that love is, is more than than your smooth talking ability. It's more than the way you just, you just talk so beautiful to get someone's attention, to, get, to draw them. Some of y'all are married because of a smooth talker. And you've regretted it ever since. We're working through that. We're trying to get y'all right. But you see, you fell in love with a smooth talker. You didn't fall in love with someone who loves you. Ladies, you got to be careful of smooth talkers. Guys, these days you got to be careful of smooth talkers. We, you've got to be careful to make sure that love is not defined by our current culture. Because love is not speech. You can talk love and not have love. You can talk and not have love. It wouldn't be in the Scripture if, if you could do it the other way. If, if you're talking and don't have love, you're just like a kid playing an instrument. Bong, bong, bong. Is the piano on? You want me to play something for you? Okay. I'm going to show what some of y'all look like whenever you're trying to. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Is this on? Oh, is this for Dante only? Hey, Dante, what's up? <laughs> what's up, Dante? Hey, good job drumming today. Some of y'all, y'all got, got, got the outside. You got the, you got the mouth, but you don't have the ability. Oh, yeah, somebody received this. See, some of y'all, you've got, you've, got, you've got this part down. You don't have this part down. You, it's like, it's like you, you, still, you look good up here. You're like, oh, he can play. And it almost sounds like. Okay, no, he's, it's the shell of Christianity. If, if you can't perform, then you just, you just have the shell. You just have the instrument, not the ability. And so what Paul is saying is, it's, it's like, it could be beautiful, but it's like, it's like nasty. It's like, it's like a mess. It's like, you should be able to bring it all together with your words, but, 
But if you don't, if you don't do it right, then it's just like clanging cymbal. It's just annoying. It doesn't add up because we're, we're trying to be a smooth talkers. But love talkers are trying to give something to somebody. Listen to the speech. If there's something in it for them all the time, they love themselves. Hey, I tell you what, tell you what. I want to give you this. Um, is that all? Yeah, no, well, yeah, but then you have to do this. Oh, that's what you really wanted. It's when there's something that you need out of it. Smooth talkers always got some agenda. They always gain at the end. But someone who loves, not trying to get anything out of it, just trying to love you. You look beautiful, babe. What do you want? Nothing. You want me to cook you something? You want, you want me to scratch your back? No, I'm good. Oh, y'all don't do that? Sorry. My mom used to scratch my back when I was growing up, and so it's just, I like it. I don't know. It's weird. I, I feel like a child, but yeah, we'll move on. So, smooth talkers, make sure that your language is not all about you gaining something. Because if you're a smooth talker and you're talking all the time, you make someone feel great, but then you require something of them in return, then you don't really love the person if you're always trying to get something equal to what you gave. Make sure that you don't fall for the trick of the people who are smooth talkers. Make sure you don't fall for the trap. Church folks, please hear me. There's a lot of smooth talkers in the day. Deceit, the devil is working. People are reading books on how to win friends and influence people without having the Holy Ghost. You can learn the art of smooth talking. It's not love, y'all. It's a trap. It's psychology. It's not love. Don't let somebody trick you with their fancy words. Always make sure at the end, if you look at them, ask them, what do you get out of this? Do you get power? position? Do you get to feel good? Then maybe they don't really love you. Find people that when they get done talking to you, they've gained nothing. That's love. That's the speech of love. Oh, let me have this uh, identity of a tongue talker. I can speak with the angels and not have love. I can even speak in tongues and not have love. Wow, that's a pretty big revelation right there, isn't it? But it's actually not a big revelation because I think we've all met someone who talked in tongues that didn't have any love. Anybody want to say amen? It's been one of the biggest complaints about Pentecostals is that they can talk in tongues one minute and cut you to shreds the next. I don't think you're really talking in tongues personally. I think you're repeating yourself when you originally talked in tongues just kind of like you clap sometimes, but you don't mean it. Kind of like you lift your hands up because everybody else does. It can become automatic, but it's not from the inside out. It's the outside in. Yeah. Tongue talkers and not have love. Speaking in tongues edifies. The Bible says that when you speak in tongues, you edify because you love yourself. You can be a tongue talker because you love yourself, and it's okay. You need to love yourself. You can love yourself and not love anybody else. You can talk in tongues because you want to get a blessing. You can talk in tongues because you want to feel the goosebumps. You can shout across the church and talk in tongues, and you can dance with angels and still not love anybody else because you're trying to always build you up and nobody else. 
It is possible, ladies and gentlemen, to be a tongue talker and not have love. Or else, why is it in the Bible? Maybe talk in tongues so much until you actually love someone else. Maybe you need to get drunk in the Holy Ghost before you leave the day. Because a little sip ain't doing it for you. Maybe you need to talk in tongues until you think about someone other than yourself. Maybe you need to talk in tongues until it overflows out of the upper room into the street. Because that's how the apostolic church began. It began with them being edified, and once you get full, you've got to send it to somebody else. Because once you get enough, you can't contain it. You can't keep it. You've got to get out of the church and spread what you are having happen in you. It's got to come out, but you've got to be full before anybody else can be affected by it. Everybody else needs it, but you've got to first get full so they can receive it. Maybe today, get so full of the Holy Ghost that you'll love somebody else with your mouth. Other than yourself. He said, you are like the annoying trumpet or an offbeat, awkward-sounding cymbal. And mentioned earlier to you, you have the instrument, but you don't know how to use it. Like a pro- you look like a professional musician, but you sound like a toddler with a kazoo. You're missing the entire purpose of your giftings. Your giftings are not about you. I have the gift of gab, so I'm going to use it for me. How dare you use the gifts of God for you? He didn't give them to you for you. He gave you the gifts for his kingdom. He gave the ability to speak for his kingdom. I, I believe I have a gift of communication. Therefore, I've got to guard my mouth. And if you've got the gift of gab, you've got to guard your mouth because you can use it for your gain. Not for his gain. My wife has told me many times, you need to guard your mouth. You need to slow down. Back off. Because the ability that God gave me, if I think it was for me, I'll use it for personal gain and not his gain. And I'll think that I love, but I don't. Because using your gift doesn't mean you love people. So watch the, watch the progression. 1 Corinthians 13 and 2. And though I have the gift of prophecy, hallelujah, wow, run the aisle, somebody. Understand all mysteries. Woo, I understand all ministries, mysteries. I'm spiritual. And I understand I've got all knowledge. I am so powerful. I've got so many gifts. And though I have all faith so that I could remove a mountain. Congratulations. That's beautiful. That's powerful. Never seen anybody ever move a mountain before. I would love to see that. If you've got all of that and don't have love, he says, I'm nothing. So to the mountain movers in this place, if you don't have love, you're nothing. But God spoke to me last night. If you don't have love, you're nothing. What is that? Foretelling the future, having great revelation, and believing God can do, any, can do anything, can be accomplished without love. God doesn't give you more gifts because you love. No. That's not how it works. See, you think that, that you're automatically this lover because God gave you gifts. God gave you gifts because he wants to use you, but that doesn't mean that you love. Yeah. So you can do all of that, apparently, and not have love. Love has nothing to do with what you know and what you believe. Love is all about who you are. I'm a lover. 
I have the love of the Father in me, and it pours out of me. It doesn't matter if you have all of these gifts if you don't have love. Verse 3, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, I don't have love. It profits me nothing. I've gained nothing by doing that. Now, you're probably thinking like I'm thinking right now, what in the world? Why would you give to the poor if you don't love them? Why would you surely not die burning if you don't have love? I know you're thinking what I'm thinking. I got you. But let me explain it to you. You can donate food to people and not even love the people you donate to. Well, how does this happen? Because you can give out of guilt. You can give out of your own reputation because it looks good to give to the poor. That's why Jesus taught about the secrecy of giving. Because when you give in secret, you know you've got the right motive. There's something beautiful about private giving. Because when you give and get no reward, that's truly love. Yeah. Some people love themselves enough to help other people. Some people have a status issue. They want to be known as someone who loves Notice whenever anything crisis happens in America, after a few days of the big wigs in America giving donations to the cause, more will give donations to the cause. Because of publicity, because of pressure. It's not in the hearts of the CEOs. It's a political stunt. So don't tell me today that because you give to the poor, you love. That is not, that is not necessarily true. Some people are happy to feed the poor as long as they don't have to talk to the poor. Oh. That would be difficult to actually have to talk to someone who's poor. I think I'd rather do a drive-by hamburger drop-off. I really love poor people. Take a burger, I'm gone. Wow, that was a great difficulty, wasn't that for you? You dropped off a hamburger to a homeless guy. You must really love him. But you know what's really hard? Sitting down talking to the homeless one. Looking in their eyeballs and saying, you can recover. That's love. It's a difference than just giving a little bit of money and giving a hamburger or some food. Some people do that to get rid of your own guilt because your own status, because it's what you're supposed to do if you're good, but not because you love them. If it's always someone else's idea, then you don't really love them. If it's always political pressure, you don't love them. If you find out everybody else is doing it and then you do it, then it's not because you love them. It's because you were pressured to do it because you want to keep your image up. You can do those things and not have love. And listen to me. This world needs more love than it will ever need food. If we could just send food to the world, it would fix it. No, it wouldn't. There's no food because there's hate. Y'all hearing me right now? There's poor, broken people throughout the world right now. Not because there's a food shortage. There's a love shortage. There's enough food to go around to feed the entire world. But it just don't get to them because nobody loves. We don't have a food shortage. You know when you go out to eat today how much is going to be left over on your plate. Trashed. We could feed the whole world with our leftovers. 
The world doesn't need another person to give to the poor, but just their money, just their mouth. This world needs someone to give their hearts to give their love, to give their attribute of love. That's what's missing. That's what's wrong. You're lying to yourself whenever you throw change in a bucket and say, I love you. Don't be deceived today. You can even give your own body up sacrificially to be burned and not love people. You can die a martyr and not even love anybody. You don't believe me? Okay. Giving your life for yourself is not love. Dying for yourself isn't love. I'll die for me. That's not love. That's righteous. That's cool. That's like, that's like stuff movies are made out of. I'll take it. Why? Because I want to. You know what? Y'all, y'all, y'all know how it works in Hollywood. You have to die for something or it doesn't count. If you're not trying to give your life for something, it's not love. You're not a hero. You're only a hero if the one that you're giving your life for is not yourself. And some people would die on a stake and be burned for their own reputation, for their own glory. Look at me. I am the one that suffered. You can do that and still not have love according to Scripture. Do not forget what Jesus said, but greater love has no man than this, except a man lay down his life for Himself. The Bible says greater love is when you lay down your life for the person beside you. I'm willing to die for what? For your brother? No. I'll die for my family. I'll die for my kids. I'll die for the ones I what? Love. See? You don't love everybody. You just love certain ones that are in your tribe, in your group, in your home. I'll die for you. But I won't die for just anybody. Yeah. Jesus did not die for himself. He died for others. Jesus did not die for himself. Y'all hear me? Jesus did not take the cross for himself. He came to take our place. He died in our place. He was killed so others can live. Love does not seek its own. Love takes the price so somebody else doesn't have to pay it. Love is so different than what we're used to. And a lot of us as Christians, we have this image of love, but it's not love. Because we gain too much from it. Please don't carry your cross so that you can look spiritual. So what is love then? The Bible says it right here in verse 4. Love suffers long and is kind. You ready? Here we go. Love suffers long. Love suffers long. If you are a lover, if you have love, you can suffer for a long time. That's why some of you are still married. You need to look at your spouse when you get in the car and say, you must really love me to put up with me all of these years. Because whenever one person looks and says, I've been suffering a long time, that's what love does. I just want my, I want my partner to be perfect and I'll stay with them. Then you don't love them. Expecting perfection from your partner is not loving your partner. If you love your partner, you can suffer because you love them so much. Hmm. 
This is what the Bible says, y'all. Y'all good? All right, we're, we're going to study the Bible today. The Bible is even more powerful than my preaching. So, this is the Bible. Love suffers a long time. If you give up quick, you don't love. Pastor, I love you, but I'm leaving in three months. Well, you, you didn't love me then. Because love will make you stay and suffer a long time. You're not convincing. Love is kind. Now, this is the one the world wants to use against us. They're like, oh, you're a Christian? That means you have to love me. Pow! Give me your money. I only have credit cards. Come in the store and pay for it. Oh. <laughs> I'm so thankful. The only good thing about not having cash in our society is when people ask you for it, you can say, honestly, I don't have any. <laughs> Love is kind. Love is kind. Now, let me just talk on this angle. Of course, we got to agree, love is kind. Love is kind. We have to get that in our spirits. Love is kind. Before I talk about the anti, when I talk about the part that it doesn't say, I want to make sure we drive the point home that if you love, you have kindness for people. Can we agree on that? We need to be kind to every single person, even our enemies. Kindness. But listen to me. Kindness does not mean agreeable. Oh. Oh. See, it never said love is agreeable. It never said love just does whatever they tell you to do. Love is kind, and love is not agreeable. I can love you. I can be kind to you and look you in the eyes and say, no. Don't you ever let somebody tell you that you don't love them because you told them no. You young ladies, don't you ever let that boy tell you that you don't love him because you said no. You're kind and you disagree. Don't you ever let the world tell you that you're a loser, that you're evil, that you're of Satan because you were kindly disagreeing with them. It should be said of us, the church, that we love the world because we're kind to them, but not because we agree with them. We disagree with the agenda of the world. We disagree with the way of the world, but we're still kind to them. We're kind to them, but we disagree. We kindly disagree. You can still be someone who loves your family at Thanksgiving and disagree. Put a smile on your face and say, oh, aunt so-and-so, I love you, but no. And stand your ground. Don't you let them back you in a corner because you're a Christian. You tell them that real definition of love is that I can disagree with you and stand for my God and still be kind. Don't you ever let anybody tell you that they have to, you have to agree with them to be a Christian. That is not biblical. That is not love. That's not true. Love does not envy. Love does not envy. Love does not look at what someone else has. And says, I'm jealous of them. You should be thankful that your brother or your sister is being blessed. You have to resist that spirit that says they're getting things. They're getting nice things. They're having things. And I'm not. If you truly love people, you won't be envious of other people. And that's a good scripture for the social media age that we're in. If you can't handle it, then get rid of it. Because you're scrolling, looking at their life, and they got every picture. Their house is clean. It's a lie. They got it clean before they took the picture. And as soon as the picture was over, it went back to normal. It was like, break. 
go and destroy the house again. I want to see the picture five minutes after every picture. You don't envy when you love. You don't envy when you love. Love does not parade itself. Love does not parade itself. Love doesn't always have to have the attention. Love doesn't always have to have the attention. If somebody always has to have the attention in the group, have their word, oh, oh I want to say something, I want to say something, you don't love the people that you're with. You want the love. You, it's about you. There's always people in every social circle that it's always about them the whole time. They have to always get their word in. We're talking about science, and they have no clue about science, and they try to add something in. Yeah, well, uh, gravity stuff falls. <laughs> Just have to fit. Like you have no clue, but you, you want the attention. You want to parade yourself. There's no humility. You don't truly love people if you want to parade yourself. Mm. Love is not puffed up. That's not the same as parading yourself. Here's what, here's what puffed up is to me. Something gets puffed up when it takes more than it gives. balloons it's puffed up and what that means is there's no steady flow of what God gives to you out of you to somebody else and anytime you're just taking and stuffing your puff you're you're puffing when you're stuffing you're puffing when you take everything you take everything all about me you start to get swole up and puffed and you look real puffy Love doesn't get puffed up. Verse 5, love does not behave rudely because love is kind. We're not a rude people, y'all. I'm talking to, to people full of the Holy Ghost right now that should have love in their hearts. We are not a rude people. When you act rude, it's because you're trying to get control over someone. Rude ties into the, the spirit of anger and wrath. It's whenever you're trying to control somebody by giving them a threat. You get that look in your eye like, what would you say to me? You know why you're doing that? Because you don't love the person you're interacting with. You love yourself. And you're so offended because you love yourself. Let me tell you, people that are easily offended love themselves. People that are easily offended love themselves, and that's why you're always trying to protect yourself because you think you're great and you should never be hurt. Tell Jesus that. He was the greatest, and he took the most pain. That's not love, y'all. Love does not seek its own. I don't want my way. You know what I want? His way. I don't want my way. When you're dealing with someone and you truly love them, you don't want your agenda to be done. You don't want to feel better. You don't want you to have everything. You don't want to drain them. You want his way to be done. And that's why when you're interacting with people, you've got to make sure that if you truly love them, you'll give them the one that can help them. And that's not you. That's him. Don't get your way. Get his way. Love is not provoked. Wow. Love doesn't get triggered. Love is not provoked. That doesn't mean that you won't be provoked. It means it won't work on you. Kind of like Jesus just taking it. Jesus had the ability to turn over tables when it was time, 
and he had the ability to let a governor chew him out to his face. And he just looked at him and said, thou hast said. Trying to trigger Jesus to get him to sin so that they could justify his death. Doesn't work. Because when you know that you love people, they can't trigger you. Your love is so strong that they talk and they nag and they try to get you. They get you riled up. And whoever loses their temper first is the loser. They try to trigger you, get you mad. They say things. They try to get you all upset because then they have a real reason to be mad at you. And so if you love people, you don't get triggered. You see, we, we don't have an anger issue. We have a love issue. We don't love people. It's the reality today. So love is not provoked. Love thinks no evil. Love thinks no evil. Now, love is not just your action. Love is your thoughts. Now you've got to go deep with me right now. Because love is even whenever you imagine loving someone. When I see them, I'm going to hug them. When I see them, I'm going to open the door for them. It's premeditated. See, some of y'all, you react in love when it's a loving atmosphere. You don't plan on loving. But real love imagines loving. Imagines it. It's in the mind. It's a thought. I can't wait to see that person who cussed me out because I'm going to go to them and I'm going to tell them I love them. Don't wait to get before them and figure out what you're going to say. You need to have a love for them before the meeting, before the controversy, before the issue. Real love is a thought. It's, it's just stewing inside of you. It's just bubbling up like, I love this person truly. And this is how when you're not around people, you can still love people. And this is how when you're not around people, you can love them even when you feel like gossiping. Because you love them when you're not around them. You love them even when you're not around them, because you're thinking about you love them. This is the Bible definition of love. I don't care what the world says. This is the definition of love. This is what we're called to be at this church. This is what we're called to be as Christians. This right here. Let's keep going. Everybody take a deep breath. <gasps> okay, I got you. You're good. You're good now. Some of you are holding your breath. Like, about to pass out. 1 Corinthians 13 and 6, love does not rejoice in iniquity. Love does not enjoy when other people fail morally. I've been telling them. I've been telling them they're going to mess up. They did, see? He just would listen to me. Are you not sad? When you love people, it hurts you when they hurt. When you love people, you see them fail. It doesn't give you any joy. It doesn't make you feel powerful or strong. When you truly love somebody, you don't like to see them get hurt. The only reason why you'd ever like to see somebody close to you get hurt is so that you could overpower them. It's like the whole kick them when they're down thing. Using their pain against them. Using their flaws against them. How selfish and nasty is that spirit? When you love somebody? No. You don't rejoice in their iniquity, their sin, their failure. But rejoice in the truth because love celebrates moral success. Love celebrates it when somebody is doing right. Love celebrates when somebody is getting closer to God. Love celebrates when the truth is out. You know what? The truth can be really tough, y'all. When you talk truth and you confess truth, it can be really difficult, can't it? But you ought to rejoice. Rejoice because the truth is coming out. 
rejoice because we're getting righteous. We're getting things fixed. The real love rejoices over things getting fixed. Don't rejoice over things that are hidden. Rejoice over things that are exposed because now we can fix it. Do it the Bible way. If you truly love somebody, you rejoice when they get caught because now they can get fixed. See, some of you are like this, what, they got caught doing that? Oh, no, this is horrible. Don't say that. Rejoice in truth. Rejoice in truth. The truth came out. Rejoice. We should shout and we should praise God when somebody gets caught living a hidden sin because now they can get fixed unless you don't love the person. Then, of course, it doesn't matter. We should rejoice in truth. Verse 7, love bears all things. Love carries heavy stuff. Like knows things and doesn't spread it to everybody else. It carries it. Pastor, my husband's not perfect, and you've got to carry that, don't you? But if you knew what I knew, I know it's tough to carry all that. But love, it carries stuff for a long time. There are some things that have happened in your family that no one knows about it because your spouse and your family are carrying it. And that's because they love you. So love has the ability to carry things, heavy things. Love believes all things. Love sees it working out. Love sees the best happening and not the worst. When you love, you believe it's going to be okay. Mm. Help us to love, God. Love hopes all things. I hope everything works out for you, man. I love you so much. I hope it works out. Love endures all things. You can take pain when you love other people. Some of you are like, I just can't take it because you don't love people enough. It's amazing what you'll do for someone you love. It's amazing how many people are in abusive relationships because they say, but I love him. He's beating you, but I love him. He cusses you out every night, but I love him. It's amazing what people will do when they love. If you truly love, it's amazing what you can endure. I can't endure people. You don't love people. Oh, as soon as the church is out, I'm out because I cannot stand being around people. I can't handle people. You don't love them. They trigger you. They get you mad. Where's your love? So that part's coming to an end. Now let's go to the the last part here today, before we close and we pray together. Love, verse 8, never fails. Now, this is where we're going to get to the place where uh, it gets very interesting for eternity. Love never fails. Now, never is a big word. Never means never, right? So that means forever, eternity, streets of gold, Jesus on a, on a big throne, love will still not fail even in eternity. That means that the attribute of love will be in heaven. Y'all with me right now? Now we can maybe preach a little bit. We taught a little bit. Here we go, okay? How do I know? Because 
of what Paul writes next. Look at this, verse 8. Let me, let me make sure we understand. But whether there are property, prophecies, they'll fail. Whether there's tongues, they'll cease. Whether there's knowledge, it will vanish away. The context here has to be found because some people think that we don't talk in tongues anymore because tongues will cease. Y'all, we still talk in tongues today. We've talked in tongues in this service. But listen to me, we won't talk in tongues in heaven. The context is not one day in America or one day in 2,000 years on the earth, tongues will cease, prophecy will be no more. That's not the context. The context is when we get to heaven. So look what Paul writes next to find the context. Look at verse 9. For right now, we know in part, and we prophesy in part, we have partial ability. But when that which is perfect has come, verse 10, then that which is in part will be done away with. Right now, everything we do is partial. We only know so much. We only see so much. Everything we do is partial. Every gift that we use, we use it because we don't know what we're doing. We're just human. God has to give us gifts just to get through the day, just to grow the church, just to be able to work with each other. The gifts in the church are not eternal. You won't need them one day. But right now, we need them. So look at it. Look at what, what he's saying here. He's saying when Jesus, the perfect one, comes back, yes, he is coming back, things like prophecy, faith, tongues, knowledge will all become pointless, unnecessary, obsolete. Because you don't need those anymore when you're dancing on streets of gold and you're already seeing Jesus face to face. You don't need a prophecy anymore. You don't need to talk in tongues. He's right there. I don't have to go to church anymore. I don't have to have all the tools anymore because I'm standing at the feet of Jesus. You don't need all those things in heaven. We only need those things because we're not in heaven. So let's go deeper. Verse 11. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I acted like a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, look, we're talking about the context of Jesus coming back. When I came of full age and completion, when I got finished growing up, I put away the things I had to have to get me through life as a child. Our children have to use phones and tablets all the time when we're at restaurants because we can't talk unless they be quiet and play a game. But when they become a man, they can sit at the table, look us in the eye, and talk to us like adults. You put away childish things when you grow up that you had to use as crutches to get you through the day. And right now, we use prophecy and tongues, and we use all these cool gifts that God gave the church. But why are we using them? Because right now, we see in part. And we need the gifts to see the rest. But guess what? There's going to come a day, ladies and gentlemen, where we will no longer need the things for children. That's right. I called you a child. You calling me a child? Yes, I am. If you can prophesy but you can't love, you're a child. If you can preach a cool sermon but you can't love, you're a child. If you've got all knowledge and you know all the mysteries and God speaks to you all day about everybody's problems but you don't love, you're a child. You're not mature. No. 
So, so now Paul is likening our time on the earth as inadequate children in need of diapers and training wheels and oversight and sippy cups that don't spill. Mama, mama. We have to have all these cool things. We have to have things on the doors and stuff over the outlets because when you're a child, you have to have all kinds of extra stuff to keep you alive. Maybe not at your house, but we got them at our house. Overboard. Yep, you don't have to have all the training wheels. You put away childish things. So, so when Jesus comes back, we will be symbolically full-grown and we will be complete. And the childish things which were helpful will no longer be needed. Thank God. Now look at verse 12. Are you ready? For now we see in a mirror dimly. The King James says a glass darkly, dim, hard to see through distorted glass window right now as children right now on the earth we can't see everything we can't know everything we wish we could but but guess what one day when we're face to face with Jesus it says then we'll see everything because right now we know partial but then I shall know just as I'm also known when I get to heaven and I'm standing there before Jesus I will know everything about him that he knows about me that's what it's saying that's what's happening here, y'all. It's saying that we don't know everything right now. We have limited ability and knowledge. And we come to verse 13, the last one. Now and now abide. Everybody say abide. Right now, I need you to stay. I need you to wait on these three things. Faith, hope, and love. Not prophecy. Not talking in tongues, getting a word, getting a gift. Right now, while you're a child, I need you to make sure that you really focus on these three things. Faith, hope, love. These three. But watch this. The greatest, the greatest, the most important, that priority is love. Prioritize your faith, your hope, and your love, but really focus on your love. Why would you do that? Because, because love is an eternal attribute that you will use not just on the earth, but in heaven. Love is really the only technical attribute that you will use for eternity. Love is the one you need to really master while you're down here because it's the only one you'll ever use up there. Love is the one you've got to get. Love is the one you've got to have because one of the only things you'll do in heaven is love. Notice Paul never said love will cease in heaven. You won't need your ability to prophesy. You won't need to speak in tongues. You won't need to use a gift or preach a sermon. You won't need to teach a Bible study in heaven. You won't need to go feed the poor in heaven. You won't need to play an instrument for Jesus. No, you won't need to sing down the Spirit. I hope you guys are more than gifted preachers, singers, and instrument players. I hope you're more than good people that work with kids. I hope you're more than someone who opens doors and ushers. I hope that you master love because you can't use any of those gifts one day in heaven. I am afraid that the one thing that we need the most, we spend the least time trying to master. 
You know what our singers and musicians and our leaders need more than anything? It's not more practices, more love. Because it's eternal. God, help us in our performance generation to fall back in, in love. And not just try to make ourselves known and be cool. But for people and men, in heaven you won't record a song. In heaven you won't even be given money. But don't you know I'm a good giver? In heaven it won't matter. Pastor, I'm faithful. I'm always. It doesn't matter if you don't love. In heaven, none of those things will matter. If your value is in everything else except for the love you have for God and people, you won't even fit in heaven. Heaven is for people who love. Listen, you won't sacrifice your life with a fire in heaven. You will spend your eternity loving because all law and prophets hinge on these two commandments. You ready? Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is likened to the first. Love your neighbor. All the law and the prophets hinge like a door swinging. It hinges, it pivots on love. God, help us have love for each other. If you never get another spiritual gift, if you never get to sing again on the platform, if you never get to get another job or be a leader in the church, please fall in love with people. Quit maximizing your limelight, your power, your agenda, and just get love for people. Because everything else that you need will come from that attribute of love. It is the first and most important law. It is the first and more, most important attribute. It's eternal, and we must have love in our hearts for people. Almost done. Love is not an age. Love is not a stage. Love is not a level. Love is timeless. Paul called us children in waiting, and sometimes all a snotty-nosed kid can do is just love. Pastor, I feel like I'm not good enough. You would be good enough if you learned how to love. I don't have any gifts. Love. I can't sing. Love. I don't know where I fit in the church, Pastor. Can I get a job? Yeah, love people. I now deem you as leader of love. And you can go get 200 people to work underneath your ministry. Y'all, we have missed it with all of our gifts. We have missed it with all of our tongue talking. We have missed it with all of our super spiritual natural things. We've missed it. Our church would be a million people right now if the Pentecostal church would understand that love is more important than all of our gifts put together. God, help us to have love for each other, even if it costs me my, my time and my gift. doesn't matter how good you are at prophesying, how good you are at preaching or singing, how good you are in leadership. If I don't think that you love me, I'm not hearing you. You can be the best communicator in the world and not love people. It doesn't matter.
Your marriage hinges on it. Your kids hinge on it. Everything hinges on your ability to love. Your salvation hinges on it. Love God, love your neighbor. Love God, love your neighbor. This is one of them services that you can't pray through it. You can't dismiss it with prayer and shouting. You can't skip over it. It's one of them services that hits every part of your life, and you just got to obey it. It's one of them services where you can't cry it out because this is not emotional. You've just got to hear the Word of God and say, God, I want love. I want love. I want love. There are many people in this place today in this house that you do not have love for your brother or your sister. There are many people today, you don't have love for your family. There are many parents today that you need to learn to love your kids the right way, and that does not always agree with them. Don't you let the devil lie to you. You can love your family, love your spouse, and you can be kind, and you can not puff yourself up, and you can disagree. Some of you wives need to tell your husbands, I love you, but you don't want to go to church. I disagree with you. I kindly, lovingly disagree with you. Love, but don't just sit back, y'all. We've got a world to reach. Love doesn't make us docile. Love doesn't make us quiet. Love makes us heard. Because people will tune you out if you don't, you don't love them. Nothing wrong with our message. Nothing wrong with our gifts. What's wrong is there's no love backing it up. Even while I've been talking today, there's some people check out on the Spirit. Some of you, you're hearing every word I'm saying because God is speaking to you. Others today, it checked out because you're so selfish. You need to take another trip to Calvary. Look at his life and what he gave to you, how he stripped naked and was hurt. Get love inside your heart. Go on a fast until you love people. Stop thinking about yourself all the time. Stop worrying about, hey, guess what? Perfect love cast out. Are you scared right now? I rebuke the spirit of fear right now, but I can't rebuke it all out because if you don't have love, then I can't conquer fear. You want to get rid of fear in your life, in your church, in your family? Why don't you start loving people more than you love yourself? Never seen some people walk in and out of church in a service my whole life than today. Never seen so much distraction. God forbid we get up here and we talk about the one subject that you and I both know we need the most in this world. And it's hard to swallow. And that's why I'm preaching it. Because I don't care about all the fancy things we build at this church if we don't build love. It doesn't matter. It's pointless. It's a waste. It's just clanging cymbals. It's just a big show is all it is. It's a show. It's a joke. It's a performance. And I refuse to give this community a church that does not have love. And if we can't love each other, and we can't love our spouses, and we can't love our own kids, we sure can't love people down the road. It starts right here in this body, in our home, in this church, we've got to conquer this and we've got to have a love for people that says, I want you to make it even if I have to lose. This goes against the spirit of the age, doesn't it? Some of you are thinking about what you're going to lose if you love. I just felt it in the Holy Ghost. 
While I've been talking, some of you have let fear come in and tell you that if you love like the Bible says, you will lose too much. And I've come to tell you it's a lie from the enemy. If you love, fear will go. If you love, fear will go. Perfect love, complete love will cast out the fear that you've got right now. If I love, I'll get hurt. If I love, I'll lose money. If I do it with love, I'll be the one to get hurt. If I do it with love, like he says, my pride, I won't be able to be in charge anymore. You're right. I'll get stepped on again. Yeah, you're right. But this time, you get stepped on and God's will will be accomplished. I can't cast out this. I can't lay my hands on all of you and give you this. This is something you have to choose to have. The love of the Father has to live in you. You'll never defeat evil with more evil. You'll never fix your marriages with more fighting. You'll never get in their face and fix it with unkindness and rudeness. You'll only fix the th issues that we have right now with more love. Brother and sister issues will only be fixed with love. Definitely confront them, talk to them, but do it with love. I'm not saying go hide in a corner. I'm saying do it with love. We can fix anything if we will fall in love with God's creation. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you, Jesus, for talking to us today. Lord, I'm praying right now that something will click inside somebody's spirit. And they get more than just a tear in their eye. They get more than just a sweet feeling. I, I'm, I'm believing right now, God, you're going to unlock something in someone's life where they it click today. I work hard. I have gifts, but I truly don't love others. I buy things, I spend my money on people, I do things, but I don't love because I still think about myself all the time. I'm the boy who gives my dad a Christmas tie so I can wear it at church. I do it, but not because I care about them. I do all that I do for me. My ministry, my blessings, my liftings, God help us right now in the name of Jesus to stop looking what we get out of it. And just do it because it's love. It's right. It's because you called us to do it. Lord, I've spoken your word. It will not return void to me. And right now, God, people have to make a choice to see themselves in the mirror and say, you know what? Forget it. If I have all these gifts but don't have love, I'm just going to focus on love from here on out. Stop letting your giftings and how smart you are and your degree and who likes you and doesn't like you get in the way of the truth. Whether you love people or not, have love or not, you've got to measure it by God's word and not the world. Help us, Jesus, to measure it by your word today. I think what's happened today, Jesus, I feel in the Holy Ghost, is that while we've been talking, people have realized that I thought that I had it all going for me. And then the word of God taught me, I really don't have love like I thought I should have. Jesus, help us today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for your word, and thank you, Jesus, for speaking to us right now. Let's all stand to our feet. I'm going to wait on the Holy Ghost for a minute here just before we go any further. I want the Lord to speak to us, talk to us. We've, we've given out the word. The seed has been planted, and now I want to wait on the Lord for a moment because God is going to to do something in somebody's heart. Thank you, Jesus.
Lord, I pray for direction in the name of Jesus. I pray, God, for how you want to seal this service today. I I ask you, God, let it be flowing right now in the members of our church, those among us who can hear from you, God. Let them feel right now the wave of the Spirit that's trying to come and to seal what we have spoken over this body. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we've heard today the truth about love, and I believe there's many people right now that they don't understand what to do next. And you're going to give us the word and the answer in the name of Jesus. You're going to seal us, God, with the final word today in the Holy Ghost. And if you'll help me right now, I want to take a moment and pray for God to seal the way for you to step into love and to have love. The Lord is going to reveal it right now. We've heard his word, but now we've got to step into it and act upon it in the name of Jesus. God, let us pray right now and seek your face so that you can resurrect love in your body for each other. God, help us right now. We seek after you, Jesus. You are love. You are love. You are love. Your way is loving. Everything about you is loving. You are example, Jesus. We want to have love in our hearts, God. We want to be a loving people, Jesus. Whatever it takes, God, we must have love. If you've got to crush us and crush us, we must have love. If you've got to crush us and crush us, we must be loving. Whatever it takes, Lord, in this place, thank you for our gifts, but we must have love in this body. Whatever it takes, God, we must have love. Yes, Lord, speak. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord has given me the word for how we're going to finish and how we're going to move into the territory of love. This is what God has given to me. There's going to continue to be a season of hurt in our church. God has spoken to me. There's going to continue to be a season of hurt, of offense for some time. There's going to continue to be a season of people talking about people people's feelings being hurt. And here's how we're going to conquer the Spirit. I'm warning you right now in the Holy Ghost that the only way to fight this is to not respond any other way but through love. The Lord spoke to me and said, I will not take off, I will not inhibit or stop the selfishness that's happening, but I will speak to the faithful ones today that when it hits your home, you will have an opportunity to turn the tide and become like me. Stop fighting them back. Stop trying to get even. Stop trying to get revenge. Take it to prayer and love those people like I would love those people. And the Lord has spoken, I will turn your church away from this spirit of offense and being offended and being hurt. I will turn your people away from this and I will turn you on to a people of love, but it will come with a price. It will come with a price of crushing. It will come with a price of offense. So I'm warning you, I'm telling you all right now, that it will not stop. There will be some voices, there will be some hurt, there will be some confusion. But here's what you will do if you want to break into love. The next time you're offended or hurt, maybe inside or outside of church, respond with love and God will set you free. God will set you free, you hear me? It might be at your job. It might be the next meeting you're in. It might be somebody in this place uh, that you're going to find, you're going to know it because it's going to happen and you're going to remember my words. And God's going to trigger you right there. He's going to say, this is the moment right now. What will you do? And in that moment, if you unlock love, God will set you to a new course. Let's lift our hands and receive it right now. In the name of Jesus. 
We cannot stop the attack that's about to hit you, but I'm going to tell you what you can stop. Your response will change your family and your life forever. And we will eradicate that spirit, uh, and we will have a loving church. Uh, this is how God's going to do it in this place. Uh, I commission you right now in the name of Jesus uh, to go forth and fear not. Uh, respond. Prepare your mind right now. Prepare your mind right now. I know what I'm going to say. I know what I'm going to do. I know how I'm going to react. Uh, I'm already prepared. I'm already ready. When that comes against me, I'm going to respond like Jesus on the cross. And I'm going to say, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing, God. Forgive them. Lay not this charge against them. I just felt the Lord say, the next time you're under attack, don't say a word. The Lord just spoke to me and said, the next time you're under attack, you look at them, don't say a word. You don't give in. You hear me? This is going to happen to some of y'all very quickly. And the next time it happens, you look at them in the eyes and don't say a word. And you let them know, I'm not doing it. Don't defend yourself. Don't fight back. You don't have to. We, we don't have to fight back, y'all. We have someone on our side that fights for us. Uh, we've got one that fights our battles. Uh, we're in the way way too much. Uh, we speak way too much. Uh, we have a king that wants to fight our battles for us. You just look at him. Keep a soft spirit. And do not respond. Don't give in. Don't get triggered. And I'm telling you what's going to happen to you. Love is going to flood your heart, and you're going to conquer that. God's going to make our church the most loving church. Through offense, through pain, God's going to make our church loving. Some of the most loving people in the world are going to be born in this place, in this next season. And it's going to come through great pain and great hurt. You never knew that you were loved until you hurt somebody. And you never knew that Jesus loved you until you crucified him. That's what it's going to take, y'all. It's going to take great pain and great response. And God's going to unlock it in our church. And we're going to be the most loving, humble people in all the world. We got this. Everybody say, we got this. I want you to, if it's, if it's gender appropriate, I want you to find somebody. Just give them a big hug. Maybe someone you don't even barely know. That's fine. I want you to take a minute. I want you to just give some love. Just give, say something to them, whatever you feel in the Holy Ghost. I'm here for you. I love you. We're together in this. Let's stay close. Let's love each other. Let's help each other. Let's serve each other. I don't want anything from you. I don't want anything from you. I just want to love you. Just want to give you love. I don't want anything in return. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You're good to us, God. Thank you, Lord, to give us love for each other. Bring it in. Good hug. I love you. Here for you. Yeah, no, you're good. You're good, man. If I offended you, I, I won't apologize. I definitely... Uh, when I say I don't know, I really don't know. That doesn't mean it didn't happen, but I really don't know what I did. And I apologize for, for just even that still. I apologize because I don't want you to be hurt by me. That's not my intention. I love you. I know you're going through a tough time, and we're here for you. Amen. That's right. I'm not the enemy. That's right. We have to have each other's back. I love you, man. 
Thanks.